Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Have you ever heard of Uniswap, SushiSwap, PancakeSwap, or any of these other crazy swaps? These are decentralized exchanges, and today we're going to discuss what that all means and why they're important. Probably one of the easiest ways for me to explain this and really demonstrate how all of this works is by using how things happen here on the island of Jamaica. See, a lot of people in their yard have various fruit trees, mangoes, avocados, coconuts, you name it. So what tends to happen is when somebody gets in their fruit, they'll bring them and they'll swap them with each other. They'll exchange them. Say one person has apples in their yard, the other person has oranges or bananas or whatever it might be, they'll just bring them to work and they'll swap and exchange and there's no money going back and forth. It's just really the fruits. So that is a good way of explaining how bartering and exchanges actually work. The most basic level for pairs of things that a lot of people want, it is just very easy to swap around. However, if one of these workers wants, let's say, Alaskan salmon, that gets very difficult because here on the island, there is warm water fish. There is no Alaskan cold water salmon. So then they're going to have to go through different layers. And in order to change your mangoes or your coconuts for some Alaskan salmon, that gets very difficult. And that's why we have things like supermarkets and currency to make these exchanges very simple, because rather than going out and finding all the different partners to make the various trades and somehow make that connection from going from mangoes or whatever fruit it is to whatever foreign good, it's just so much easier to go into a supermarket. And what a supermarket actually does is it creates a market, as the name says, but it does this for a fee or a markup. So what ends up happening is that supermarket keeps a stock of whatever goods it might be that is not local or easy to swap and exchange as those fruits. This is something I know fairly well because that is our main business and anything that can really be grown in people's yards here in Jamaica, we don't even sell, we don't stock because we know that there is no real market for that. People will just exchange that with their friends and neighbors and coworkers. And Really, I don't have to explain how the model of a supermarket works. I'm pretty sure we understand that they have a stock. They work with various suppliers, wholesalers that are importing goods from all over the place. And then there's the overhead cost, the markup and all that. So I'll just fast forward through all of that. However, that is in a way how a centralized exchange works because that supermarket, that point of contact for all those various customers, they're coming there to exchange fiat currency, the money that they're spending to get some goods. And regardless of where it came from, you're using that middleman, that centralized authority or marketplace to make that transaction. If someone wanted to decentralize all of this thing, they would somehow make it automated that there is no need for a supermarket. There's no overhead and staff and added markups and all those different things, they would somehow automate a system where someone could easily trade their mangoes for Alaskan salmon. They just go from a consumer in Alaska to a consumer in Jamaica. And this gets very difficult now that I'm trying to break this down. This is where the analogy starts to break apart because swapping some physical items cross borders like that does get very difficult. But just imagine that somehow this is able to be done automated with uh, going from person to person. That is what a decentralized exchange does. And trying to explain that is you'd have to look at the contrast of the 
decentralized exchanges such as Coinbase, Binance, Crypto.com, Kraken, and there's so many FTX. They're, they're all coming up, all these different ones, and they're offering crypto services and what have you. However, they're all a central market, just like that supermarket analogy that I was using, and that is how they operate. The very small margins and markups that they actually use when someone comes into, they make their deposit with whatever local currency that they're using, then they'll exchange it to Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the major currencies that you can pretty much find on every single uh, one of these uh, big centralized exchanges. But however, that is no issue. But what things start to get difficult is when you start to go into those speculative meme coins or something that might not be regulated in a particular territory, such as XRP in a lot of the markets or a Wax P token for the Wax blockchain, and it becomes difficult. Then you're going to have to go through some sort of swap, some exporting to another exchange or a global exchange or working with one of these decentralized exchanges. And how all of this actually works when you're going to a decentralized exchange, such as the ones that I named earlier, Uniswap, SushiSwap, PancakeSwap, or any of the swaps, is it's a code that is written on the blockchain. And what I'm going to use is a simple one, or uh, the, the most common ones, I should say, that are usually somehow swapping Ethereum into another token. And the way this code is actually set up, just like any other smart contract that we deal with in the NFT space or with DAOs or anything of that nature, Nature, decentralized exchanges set up what is called a liquidity pool. And a liquidity pool is just a pool of money that is deposited into the contract, if you will, and it allows people to then exchange these pairs that they might not necessarily want. And just using some very common ones, which are often swapped, is Shiba Inu, Dogeland Mars, or even the ApeCoin, although the ApeCoin is listed on major exchanges. However, when the Shiba Inu and a lot of these other coins before they were taken off or they were able to be listed on a centralized exchange, the only way to get them was go to one of these swaps and then exchange your wrapped ETH or your weeth in order to get into this. And this is probably something that you're very familiar with. If you've ever tried to make an offer on OpenSea, what ends up happening is you don't make an offer in Ether. You actually exchange it out into weeth or wrapped ETH to make that offer. And without going into all the technical details, just knowing that the Ethereum blockchain, the original coin was the Ether, and it does not really fit the standard of the blockchain as it is today. So that is one of the reasons why it's so expensive and it doesn't really fit all the standards. So when you wrap this ETH, it makes it a lot more efficient to make all these exchanges and swaps and making offers. And it would just be so much more expensive if you're doing this in Ether. But that is just the layman's term explanation of explaining why we actually go to wrapped ETH when we're making an offer rather than just making an ether. And when that usually happens is probably a lot of people don't even really pay attention to what's going on because the swap actually takes place and allows you to exchange those. And you're actually going to use a decentralized platform such as Uniswap, or if you're using uh, the one in MetaMask itself, uh, some people might swap it that way, but it's usually a little bit more expensive doing that. But when you're making that exchange, it's not like you have to send that ETH back to Coinbase or wherever you ended up getting it from and then exchanging it for that weath. 
You just do that right from your wallet or from, they make it very easy on OpenSeas to just connect up to that DEX and make that exchange very simple. So a lot of people don't even really understand what's going on in the background. They just know that for whatever reason, they have to make it in this and that's what OpenSeas tells them to do. So they just click, click, click and okay, cool, send off their offer. But what's really going on in the background is it's connecting to one of these decentralized exchanges and making this swap. And using all those fancy terms and big words that I was just saying, I'll try to break this down and just keep it as simple as possible. But a liquidity pool is simply a lot of money or funds, if you will, that are deposited and therefore exchanged. So it might not be a common pair that you'll get on one of these big exchanges. However, someone who uh, deposits funds into the contract, and those people are called liquidity providers. So let's say you happen to be someone who has a lot of Shiba Inu, and you want to provide that liquidity for someone going back from Shiba Inu into ETH, you're able to deposit or stake your tokens, if you will, allowing people to go back and forth and swap. And in doing so, you're going to able to make a profit or make a return by providing that liquidity and how this whole system works, how the prices are set. It's all based upon supply and demand. If a lot of people want your Shiba Inu and it's staked, however, the supply cannot meet that demand, well, the price goes up until it balances out. And in contrast, if a lot of Shiba Inu is in the pool and nobody wants it and they're just sitting there and they're trying to convert out and go back into ETH, well, then the price of that is going to fall. And I'm picking on Shiba Inu because uh, that's just one of the ones that has uh, been had a nice run as far as meme coins and everything goes. However, this happens with any single one. It does not matter which token you're actually going to or from this is the same process it is and a liquidity pool is simply that it just sits there and allows people to exchange and the liquidity providers are the individuals that are providing that liquidity allowing people to swap back and forth easily and they're making their returns in doing so. So that is the simplest, most basic way of explaining this. And I'm not really going into all the nitty gritty, how the code actually works and how all of this stuff. And uh, there's so many layers that I can go on and on and really explain how this works. But the simplest way is just understanding that because it is so difficult to go from mangoes into Alaskan salmon, it's just so much easier to have that liquidity pool where people can just dump in all their goods and then take out what they want. And by doing so, it's an automated system. There's no central authority and it's just all connecting to the various parties that are involved. And this is not like something where accounts could be frozen or it could be shut down. It is just like the blockchain or any other thing because all of this stuff is taking place on the blockchain. It is not taking place in a particular exchange or on central servers or anything of that nature. It is out there. It's not like Uniswap or any of them can freeze accounts. And that's what really makes this whole thing interesting. So next time you hear those terms, all those different swaps, hear someone talk about DEX, decentralized exchanges and all that, that is what they're talking about. And if you've ever made that exchange on OpenSea, you've actually interacted with them and a lot of people don't even realize they have. If you're using decentralized exchanges right now, I'd like to know which one are you most familiar with or do you enjoy using the most? There's so many out there. So please feel free to let me know at Tropic Vibes on Twitter. Always available for a conversation over there. So hopefully you found that interesting and helpful. And as usual, I want to thank you for taking the time for listening to this episode and look forward to the next one later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.